show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Experience, business, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Consumer first health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status. No. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, and here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about Vive. The tech and data infrastructure is an important part of consumer transformation. So how can we keep up with where digital health leaders are spending their time? I'll talk about that. Then we welcome Amy West, head of U.S. Digital Health and Innovation Strategy at Novo Nordisk. Amy is an advocate for clinicians to embrace more human-centered approaches in treating patients, and she dives deep on how she's seeing this happen in pharma and digital therapeutics. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. Vive was definitely alive this year, and it offered a window into what's on the radar screen of leaders in healthcare IT innovation and business transformation. Only in its second year, the collaboration between Health and Chime, or the College of Healthcare Information Management Executives, was rocking in Music City, quite literally, with local Nashville musical talent filling the entrance hall throughout each day. In a whirlwind week of talk about interoperability and cybersecurity, I wanted to see where consumer transformation fits in, knowing full well that Vive is focused on senior digital leaders that likely have some influence over consumer initiatives, but often aren't the owners. So here are my takeaways from this year's conference. First, the reality is that consumer transformation doesn't seem to be a priority right now, given everything else the provider organizations need to be addressing. Workforce, financial challenges, morale, competition, health equity, etc. And it might surprise you to hear this, but I kind of get it. Being there at the conference helped me see all of the other demands on digital leaders' resources. It also helped me realize that this is the perfect time to put forth the work and coalesce as an industry so that we can establish shared goals, best practices, and a vision for what the destination looks like. Second, health at home is growing and being taken seriously. Best Buy Health CEO Deborah DeSanzo and Dr. Rasu Shrestha, Chief Innovation and Commercialization Officer for Advocate Health, co-presented a session fresh off their recently announced partnership. They shared their vision for health at home, including the projection that $265 billion, with a B, $265 billion of Medicare services could be delivered in the home by 2025. And yeah, that's a big number. And that's only a couple of years from now. Rasu explained that what happens after a patient's discharge is like the dark side of the moon. And if we truly want to offer care that helps people be healthier, it's time to shine a light on what can happen in the home. And incidentally, they really leaned into the dark side of the moon metaphor. Atrium's internal nickname for the Best Buy partnership was Project Pink Floyd. Third, regarding health equity, I heard Solomon Banjo from Advisory Board speak, and I really liked this quote. He asked how we can move from acknowledging that bias exists 
bias to actually creating an environment where we can surface that bias and make it comfortable for people to talk about it. Because if we don't do that, we incentivize people to hide it and we won't make the progress that we have to make in order to move forward as an industry and society. Fourth, the health tech sector is welcoming Vibe's direction with open arms. The official attendance was 7,600, up substantially from even just a year ago. Yes, it was still vendor heavy. Some counted a 13 to 1 vendor CIO ratio, but that also creates opportunities for synergies and partnerships between vendors. Plus, it wasn't a case of who can have the largest booth space, which was a nice change. And finally, a comment about marketing. Seeing hundreds of vendors on an exhibit floor again reminded me of how difficult it is for a health tech brand to become relevant and differentiate itself. Brands that stay the most relevant with buyers take opportunities to create valuable content before and during the event. It can be audio, video, or written. But think about it. In health tech, you have a complex story to tell to buyers who have lots of complex problems that need to be solved. So it takes an ongoing effort to find relevance and build trust through strategic storytelling that shows that you understand those challenges. And that's not easy work. The tech and data infrastructure is an important part of consumer transformation, so it's important to keep up with where digital health leaders are spending their time. Let's build on these themes of this year's Vive conference as we move forward. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the Week. everyone let's get into the flow i've got zane here how are you doing hey jared good to be here how are you doing well and let's give a warm welcome to amy west amy is the head of u.s digital health and innovation strategy at novo nordisk welcome to the healthcare app amy thanks so much for having me it's a real pleasure to get a chance to talk to you both i think amy you're one of our first pharmaceutical leaders on the podcast so congratulations and welcome thank you it's it's um an important component, I think, of the, the larger ecosystem. So we appreciate being included in, in these conversations. Awesome, awesome. So what did we miss in your bio? What else would you like our listeners to know about you and your background? Sure. So I've been in the pharma industry for over 25 years, primarily in the commercial space across a number of categories, including diabetes and metabolic disease, neuroscience, men's and women's health, and, and cardiovascular areas. But I've always had a very heavy focus on customer engagement and overall experience. The past 14 years, it's really been my honor and pleasure to work at Novo Nordisk. I am currently leading the U.S. Digital Transformation and Innovation Team, where we are focused on transforming how people experience healthcare through disruptive innovation. And in operational terms, that really means we're an internal incubator. We're called the APIS Lab, and we have our own innovation incubator framework that's focused on the unique and complex needs of the U.S. healthcare market. And through our lab, we look to uncover our patient-customer root cause pain points that prevent them from having a good quality of life and better health outcomes. And then we identify and rapidly test novel solutions or interventions that will hopefully meet these needs and enable our organization with a more holistic customer-centric approach to engaging our patient customers and those who are the stakeholders that are supporting them um, when they're trying to manage these chronic health challenges. And, you know, I would like to point out, though, from an innovation perspective, because that's really the overarching sort of remit of my team, you know, I want to point out that we often go, when we think about innovation in healthcare, we think about digital or technology-oriented solutions, 
which makes a lot of sense in light of the opportunity that we have to pull those through in the healthcare space. But we also look at non-technical innovation as well. And there's a lot to be said for how we think about engagement models, how we set them up, what the human relationships are like, and how we need to change those, those engagements and those, those interactions that also have a huge opportunity to change and transform how we experience and hopefully improve healthcare overall. Love that. I love that you all are focused more broadly than just digital. Me being the Canadian on the team, like sometimes I think here in the U.S., we spend so much time associating innovation with just technology when it's so much more to the point that you just described. Amy, maybe just to get to know you a little bit more, uh, we love to ask our listeners, and especially since we have a lot of um, early careerists and you know people that are just dipping their toes into the whole innovation and digital healthcare world, what has been like some of the best or maybe the worst career advice uh, you've ever been given? There's a lot of different perspectives, you know, based on how you go in your career, how you want to move forward. Some of the, I wouldn't say it's the worst advice. It was just advice that I wasn't going to work for me, but I was always encouraged early on in the pharma space that you've got to start out kind of as a generalist. You need to do time in the sales organization. You need to do time in the commercial organization. You need to do time in the market access organization or some type of a scientific side or market research side. And you kind of get this generalist sense of the industry, which there's a lot of value to that. And I was told that if you if you go too deep on something, like I was always very involved on the patient support side, the patient engagement side of the business. And we're talking about, you know, 25 mm. some years ago, it was a different ball game back then. And people were like, you're going to get pigeonholed. You don't want to be, you don't want to be focused on that area of the, of the, the business. It's, there isn't upward mobility there. But that's where my passion was because I'm a patient myself. I have family members who are patients and I've always felt like, well, this is, sure, this is sure. our re- reason for being too. Like our products won't work unless somebody takes them. Yep. And you, a person can't get medication if they don't have a diagnosis, if they can't see their doctor. So, you know, it, it goes really deep and it's always gone really deep to me. And I wanted to stay very focused in this patient oriented space. And so I did. And over the years, I would have people tell me, you're getting, you're getting pigeonholed. You really should be broadening to other areas. And I, I just felt very passionate again and about this. And if you look at where we are 25 years later, the message has finally gotten through that in healthcare, the rise of consumerism that we see in healthcare, patients, people who, you know, we, we're all healthcare recipients and we're patients ourselves, we're having to pay a higher amount of our out-of-pocket to our healthcare. And we have choices. We are advertised to. We can ask questions, things that we never really could do before. And so I'm going to make a choice as to who I'm, what doctor I'm going to see. I will read the reviews on you. I will decide, hey, if you, if you offer telehealth services in addition to in-person, I see... You know, I know what my my health situation is. If it changes, I have options as to what medication I want to take. I want to talk to my doctor about it. I don't want it just to be dictated to me. And so we're seeing a real shift in the pharma and the healthcare space overall that we have to pay attention to customer, patient experience and expectations. And what they want. 
Exactly. Because they have, we, we have choice. Yeah. I think that's fantastic given, you know, where your focus was, despite, you know, maybe some of the mentors or leaders around you pushing you elsewhere. You know, how awesome, given what you're doing today, does that experience serve what you're doing? You know, Jared and I, with all of our guests, talk about, you know, how important, like, how important consumer-centric innovation is and how important it is to really understand the pain points of consumers at a nuanced level. You know, how are they feeling? What are their emotions? And I just feel that the decisions you've made probably perfectly position you for now taking more of a leadership problem-solving role within the organization. I certainly feel that when I feel the time has finally come and it's undeniable now. Yes. What would you say, Amy, maybe to go a little bit deeper on this podcast, there, or sorry, in terms of our listeners, there's a lot of young careerists or, you know, digital health leaders who are looking to maybe jump ship or transition to, into other areas of the industry. You know, what would your be advice for folks who maybe know a whole lot about pharma? You know, I think about my own self. I don't have a scientific background. I think I failed chemistry. Could I be successful in a pharma company with technical or innovation skills? Or do I really need to have that science, you know, super nerd background to do well at a place like Novo Nordis or somewhere else? There are many different options for many different backgrounds and capabilities. Again, like 25 years ago, it was all sales. You couldn't even get in the door unless you quote unquote carried the bag. And I actually, my entree though was on the, the digital marketing side. Because at that time, that was the early days of digital marketing, and I had that marketing, digital marketing background. And so how that's how I was able to get in the door without having a sales background. Again, we're seeing things evolve with, obviously, the science piece is always going to be there because that's really the root of most pharmaceutical companies' um, innovation. It's their clinical, scientific, and molecule foundation. And now we are seeing the rise of digital health organizations, which are about the connected type of solutions, which is slightly different animal. But I think, so the scientific piece is always going to be there. We are starting to see a lot more focus on digital transformation and meaning whether that is connectivity of our treatment solutions, whether it's device, a medication, whatever. We're starting to see a need to support connectivity. So people with technical backgrounds in the digital space or in the technology and and space are going to be really important. People with data science backgrounds are really, really going to, I think, have a lot of opportunity in the pharma space because, you know, so much data is now being collected in light of these connected interventions that we're having. There's so much data out there that's being collected Again, just foundationally through our clinical trials and and various data points that we have, but then also the connected digital health type of solutions are collecting data on a real-time basis. But if we, you know, data for data's sake doesn't help unless we know how to use it and apply it in the best way possible. So how do we sift through all that data? How do we make sense out of it? How do we leverage AI machine learning to support what the human being can't do with all this data. So there's a huge opportunity, I think, for any data scientists out there. Again, these are new sort of capabilities that we didn't didn't really have in, in the past in, in this space. I also think that people that are open-minded, innovative thinkers, uh, problem solvers are going to be really important because what's, I think, important in pharma as well as healthcare in general is for so long... 
our approach to solutioning was really quite inside out. It's like, how do we drive our business? How do we get our healthcare professional customers to listen to our messages so that they can then prescribe to the patients? How do we get our DT, our direct-to-consumer marketing messages out there to the customer to get them interested in our product and, you know, and, and getting, getting them on product? When I think what we really need to do now is we have to really take an outside-in approach. Again, it's that really customer-patient-centric approach to what is your problem to solve? Because the reality is when we think about, you know, my company is 100 years old. We are celebrating our 100-year anniversary this year, which is fantastic. We've been in the diabetes space since day one, which is great. We also have other therapeutic areas um, where we have very innovative solutions, But you could also argue that 100 years of trying to find solutions and interventions for diabetes, we've had tremendous progress, as well as some of our competitors that are are out there. We have really good products and they work really well, but we still have an epidemic of diabetes in this country and that is uncontrolled. So medication alone isn't enough. We have to do more than that. And so... I think that's where we have to take this more holistic approach to our customers. Who are you as an individual? What is preventing you from being able to engage in your health and wellness in in the best way possible? And the reality is, if I really know you as an individual who's been diagnosed with with a chronic disease, but I find out that you are actually living in a situation where you don't have transportation, you're trying to work two jobs by using the bus route, and you've got three kids that you're trying to raise as a single mother, you know, getting to the doctor is an afterthought. Getting a diagnosis isn't even on your, isn't even on your horizon. So we have to better understand you as you live your life on a daily basis, where you live, your environment, your social factors, your family factors, so that we can now create a way for you to get access to the diagnostics, to a doctor, to medication in a way that works for you when, where, and how you want to engage versus, you know, us just pushing a, a message out to you or that isn't, that isn't even going to resonate because you're not even, you're not, it's not even resonating with you because you don't get it. It's not factoring into your ability on a day-to-day basis to make it a priority. So again, we have to, we need thinkers who are able to problem solve from our end user customer's point of view. And a lot of that type of innovation, innovative thinking, and then people that have experienced innovative processes like rapid test and learn and iteration and piloting and, and pivoting on different learning so that you can get to a solution that is going to be check the box on meeting the customer's needs, but also meeting the needs of the, of the business. So driving that shared value. So again, people that little differently and outside the box. Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break. Consumer demands, disruptive technologies, and AI are shaping healthcare for years to come. On the Hello Healthcare podcast, we dive deep on these issues with leaders who are driving change. These stories will inspire you to create and demand a better future in healthcare. Learn more at hellohealthcare.com. And now back to the show.
Let's dig in a little bit more there on the tactical side. I love hearing how much you're an advocate for clinicians to embrace an innovative approach and a human-centered innovation approach. Can you tell us what human-centered means to you in that context, and where does it come into play with digital therapeutics? Sure. So for a human-centric approach, it's really about understanding the user holistically. And I think we need to go beyond the fact that somebody has a, a health issue. And we have to think about them in their day-to-day life, how they see themselves. For example, you know, none of us sees ourselves as a patient, right? We see ourselves as a mom and dad or a teacher or a police officer or a pharmaceutical company worker. We don't see ourselves as someone who is sick and having all these, you know, these having issues that I have to deal with on a daily basis. And I have to take medication and my life doesn't revolve around my medication. And so... In order to be able to understand you as a person, I need to to go beyond just your clinical diagnosis. I need to understand where you live, what your family makeup is like, what your education level is, your income level is, what your social network and influencers are. And that gives me a better sense of who you are as a person. And then we can fold in the maybe the, the health considerations. Let's figure out a solution that's going to work for you based on how you live your life, your lifestyle, and when, where, and how you want to engage in your health and wellness. So we have to think about you from that human being standpoint and not from a patient standpoint. That gets pulled through with the digital therapeutics from the standpoint that we need to be designing these types of interventions from a human-centric design standpoint. How is the end user going to use this? How are they going to integrate it into their daily life? How's it going to work for them? And then design the technology and the digital aspects around that or whatever, whatever that innovation is, not the other way around. It cannot, you can't just design something because it works, it, you know, technically speaking, it has to work for the end user. And so that's what's We have to start with the human design first and then add the technical design when it comes to these digital therapeutics. Yeah, there really is a lot there. And what Zane and I have seen in the last few months, some on the retail health side, some on the digital health side, some on the traditional care side, what we've seen is there are a lot of parallel conversations happening right now all about, yeah, this would be a good idea. We do need to put the consumer's needs at the forefront of any change management process and any innovation process that we have going on. And as a result, we're starting to, as a result, we're starting to see things differently and innovate differently. And so it feels like there's this movement among provider organizations out there in particular who are starting to have an awakening, if you will. They're seeing this trend towards consumer-first health, and they're recognizing that they play a part in it. They also recognize that they don't play all the parts. One of the components there is the tech and data that's needed to make it all happen. All the design around consumers' needs can only get us so far because then we have to actually build the experiences and the infrastructure that need to happen. What's your take on the tech and data that are needed here? To take a step back just for a second, when we talk about the user, the end user expectations and needs, so we have to design for that first, and then we pull through the technical, the digital, the data, whatever whatever those elements are to to support that enablement. But at the root cause of a lot of the end user needs and challenges are, is this this idea of convenience or the inconvenience of our current healthcare ecosystem. And so whatever we do, we have to create that easy, as, as much as we can create that easy button for healthcare. So whenever we're designing from a technical or a build standpoint, we have to think about that how do I make this the easy button? How do I 
create the user experience from a technology digital data standpoint that creates that easy button for the user. Because if we're creating one more thing they have to do as a part of their life, that's a barrier. And so again, we have to, and if we can even make it ambient, like if we can create something that collects information automatically or support, you know, injects an update to the individual in a very sort of regular part of my day basis, that's where I think we're going to have a lot of success. And I think that's where we need to be be thinking. And at the end of the day, the companies that figure out how to create that convenient experience the best, they're going to be the ones that are going to win the day. And I think an interesting example, it's not necessarily on the technical side, but when we think about convenience, you look at what the CVSs and the Walgreens and of the world are doing where they're creating these minute clinics within the the, the brick and mortar pharmacies. I mean, look, you're driving your kid to soccer practice and you need to get a flu shot. Hey, I'm just going to pop in there real quick, get my flu shot and, and go. Other, you know, alternatively, I would have had to make an appointment at my doctor's office. They, they're, they're backed up for three months, you know. So they've really embraced this notion of convenience. And that is what the consumer is looking for when it comes to healthcare. And we need to pull that through through in the actual actual engagements with the clinic setting, as well as with any sort of technology that we build. You have to design for the for the human interaction first, and then put the build around that to support that convenience factor and deliver the value that the customer wants, or else they'll go somewhere else. Sure, sure, that makes a lot of sense. Amy, could you tell us like you know, whether it's specific to Novo Nordisk or just more broadly within the pharmaceutical space, but what are the specific therapeutic areas that companies like yourself are trying to innovate within? I think our listeners would love to just be grounded in, you know, what are the different domains, if you will, where you're trying to solve problems? What, what might those be? It's pretty much everywhere. Like in pharma, obviously our first and foremost priority is getting our medications to the people that need it as, sure. quick, as quickly and as seamlessly as possible. So, you know, we want to be innovative with how we get our messages out there, how we support people who are, who are on our medications or support the healthcare professionals that are prescribing them. So we have some innovative patient support programs, whether it is live or virtual coaching support, or just, you know, self-guided learning and education. We have telesupport services, things like that. But then also on the back end, like through our, you know, our supply chain and manufacturing, you know, how do we leverage innovation and digital and technology and AI machine learning to support greater efficiency and faster ways to manufacture and shorten the supply chain timeline? We've, we've all been challenged with that since, you know, during COVID, there were a lot of hiccups there across the board, whether it was pharma or just, you know, general retail. But, you know, we can apply these innovations from anywhere from our early stage in the pipeline all the way through to our commercial marketing activities and things like that. So it's it's everywhere across the board. That's really helpful. What, um, maybe just diving a little deep, deeper into some of that, what are like some specific tools or methods that you use with teams when you're trying to get them to innovate, get them to think differently? What does that look like for you? How are you working with different teams? How are you educating them? On the provider side of, of the world, you know, a lot of health systems now are using like human-centered design methodology or lean startup or design thinking. Are those similar tools and methods that you all are using? 
Yeah, it's actually something that my team uses on a daily basis. When we launched our internal incubators called Apis Lab, we designed an incubator model that is been fit for our purposes. So it includes lean design thinking, scrum and agile methodologies to create an experimentation process that starts very early with discovery and early pipeline hypothesis development and uncovering of our customer root cause problems. And then we work all of these hypotheses through our innovation framework. And so we have various tools and methodologies, again, components of design thinking that we use to pressure test, you know, getting, getting to the why behind the why and the root cause issues. This is a process that we use with our experimentation efforts. We also work with different parts of the organization to include them in the work that we're doing. So we pull in our folks from our medical organization or from our market access organization or from our IT and data organizations and commercial to be a part of these experiments based on the relevance to their area of the business. And we work together to experiment and and test these things as quickly as possible and hopefully get them potentially to a pilotable and scalable state. So these methodologies, though, and the fact that we even have this incubator in the U.S. is pretty unusual for a lot of pharma. It's, it's in the newer, the newer areas of how they're thinking about going to market and solutioning and, and thinking about the business of the future. And we're starting to get much more intentional, though, and building, you know, building this across the organization. The work that we're doing with my team, where the idea is that we do bring other other folks from other areas of the business into it so that they can also take the insights back to their organizations and build that muscle throughout the organization. And again, it's really it just comes down to problem solving, but making sure that you're solving the right problem, which I would argue always starts with what is our customer's problem to solve? And if we can do that in a way, we obviously as Nova Norris, we need to find the shared value for the business so that we can continue to invest and innovate. But if you can get to that sweet spot, which we call the desirability, viability, feasibility of an opportunity, we've checked the box on something that we really should be investing in. That's awesome. I love the desirability, feasibility, and viability framework. I try to apply it everywhere in my life. And once you... I don't know. I feel like it's like the gospel of innovation. Once you let that thing sink in and you realize how powerful it is to lead teams towards designing uh, the right products that work not only for the customer, but also for the business. Exactly. And it keeps you honest. It keeps you accountable and honest to what, what is truly going to be the shared value. Yeah. Love that. That's fantastic. Amy, this has been such a pleasure. With that, that's actually going to be a wrap for this episode. Thanks so much for joining us and thanks for giving our listeners so much to think about. My pleasure. Thank you guys so much and um, would love to do it again sometime. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again.